0: Ever wondered what the appropriate response would be in your life? If you were faced with the pressure of end times and its culture? Perhaps you already have. Today on Day of Destiny, we are going to hear the Word of God, experience the power and place of prophecy in the church, and also be able to see What type of response and reward can we expect when we serve God? according to His Word. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and today I invite you to just stay with us for this Day of Destiny podcast. If you are looking in your life for a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and you want to know about the attributes of prophecy, the work of the prophetic work of the Spirit of God in our life, then we invite you not to miss today. But before we do that, today I want to invite you, my beloved friends, to uh, my Day of Destiny website. My Day of Destiny website is the place where you can download all of our former podcasts. You can receive the library and the wealth of God's word. Much of it is teaching on the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, how to operate in the Spirit, how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit to allow God to use you in signs, wonders and miracles in these incredible days that we're living in. Also, I invite you to order my book, you can do it online, one of my latest books, and that is Secrets of the Anointing. You can get Secrets of the Anointing by going to our website, mydayofdestiny.com, and subscribe to hear our, uh, our weekly podcasts, and also to receive our newsletter and the articles that we put with the newsletter. Now, beloved saints, let's go to the Word of God. And before we do that, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, today we lift up every person listening to this podcast Every person, Lord, that you have anointed and ordained and chosen to be in this world in these end times. Lord, we ask you to equip the saints of God with the gifts of the Spirit. Equip your wonderful people that are listening with wisdom, revelation, knowledge, spiritual sensitivity, and help your people be led by the Spirit. Lord God, we pray right now that you would build up every person, and especially those that are under undergoing tremendous pressure and co- and compromise te- temptation to compromise from this culture. Lord God, we pray that your people would be able to be lights in the world and shine in the darkness, be the best in their field. Lord God, raise them up to be, Father God, what the world always wanted. But Lord God, greater, 10 times greater, even as Daniel was, the wisdom found in Daniel was, 10 times greater than all of those in the province of Babylon. Lord, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, that you will reward your people, Father God, just as you rewarded Daniel, because you are the God who changes not. And we give you praise and we give you thanks. Now we just released the anointing of the understanding of God's word as never before. And we command in Jesus name, Father God, that nothing would rob your people of this word today. For Jesus' sake, we pray and everyone said amen. Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Daniel. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand that Daniel is very unique in the word of God. Daniel is a prophet that is a prophetic prefiguring of the New Testament prophet and i'm going to show you why daniel is a prophetic prefiguring and a foreshadowing of how the gifts of the holy spirit are going to operate and do operate in all of the believers who have been baptized in the holy spirit he is a type and a shadow also of how god is going to use the gifts of the spirit and the attributes of prophecy in our lives in these last days. First of all, beloved saints, I want you to see something very unique about Daniel that we do not see in any of the other prophets. First of all, Daniel and his book, if you were to look throughout the book of Daniel, you will see visions and you will see dreams. You will see interpretations of tongues and you will also see interpretations of dreams. You will see gifts of perception, gifts of revelation, and you will also see the impartation of God's spirit in a tremendous way in the life of Daniel. First of all, Daniel's prophecy did not operate the same way that Ezekiel's prophecy operated within him or that Isaiah's prophecy operated within him. You say, Dr. Corral, please make some sense. Let me explain it to you. If you look in the book of Daniel, you will not find the sentence, thus saith the Lord. If you study throughout the book of Daniel, you will not see the words such as you see in the book of Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Daniel. No, you will not see those words. You will not see that Daniel says, thus saith the Lord. You will not see that Daniel in any way, shape or form is going to receive a message from God to go and prophesy to Israel. Yet Daniel's messages are used in the Bible throughout the ages as the inspired word of God. And they are definitely prophecy. Why beloved saints? Because if we look at the genre of the book of Daniel, let's look at it. For a moment, it's extremely important so that we get the personal, powerful, prophetic, significant meaning of the text, and we can apply it to our lives. It's very important that we note that the book of Daniel is actually divided into two sections. Section A would be considered Daniel chapters 1 through 6. Section B would be Daniel chapters 7 through 12. Now, many scholars believe that the difference between the two sections is so diverse that some scholars believe that there was actually two authors to the book of Daniel. But that, my dear friends, cannot be proven, and absolutely not. Uh, the Hebrew scriptures refute that. We must understand that Daniel and the book of Daniel is completely consistent And the beginning of Daniel coheres also with the apocalyptic version of the book of Daniel beginning in the seventh chapter through the 12th. So what is the spiritual significance and what apocalyptic significance does Daniel in the narrative of Daniel being taken to Babylon along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, also known as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, being brought into the land of Babylon at the destruction of the temple uh actually in the first deportation before the burning of Jerusalem in 587 BC when the temple burnt down we see that Daniel was deported along with the first captives in around 606 BC so what is the spiritual significance of Daniel in the first 6 chapters which give us a narrative about Daniel in Babylon and Daniel's visions. It is so important to see, dear people of God, that in the heart of every Jew, especially the Jews in the time of the destruction of the first temple. On Tisha B'Av, we must understand the ninth day of Av, which is a day that is still mourned among our beloved brethren, the Jews throughout the world on the day that the temple was destroyed. Not only the temple that was in 587 BC, destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and burnt to the ground on the 10th of Av, but also it burnt to, It was torched on the 9th of Av, Tisha B'av, and it was burnt to to the ground on the 10th above, and we see... The same situation with the second temple. Jesus foretold the destruction of the second temple. And it also was torched on the 9th of Av and burnt to the ground on the 10th of Av. Now, I want you to understand that these are not, these dates are not a coincidence. And I will not get into you the spiritual significance of Tishba'av. But what I want to share with you at this particular moment is that in the eyes of every person living in the time of Daniel. The destruction of the temple is equivalent with the end of the world. And the same thing in the time of Jesus in a historic sense of scripture. This is why in its historical context, when Jesus gives the little apocalypse of his Mount of Olives discourse uh, in Matthew 24 and also in Luke's version of, of Luke 21, we will see Luke's version gives us the signs that are very similar to the second coming of Christ that are given to us in Matthew's version. But but Luke isolates these beginning signs to Actually, be the foreshadowing before his coming, but not only before his coming, rather, before the destruction of the temple. So that the destruction of the temple in the eyes of the first century Jew was equivalent with the end of the world. So Jesus gave the signs, beloved, also before the temple was destroyed as signs so that his Talmudim or disciples would be able to escape the plundering of Jerusalem, which ultimately ended in the death of over 1 million Jews, the flattening of Jerusalem. And eventually in 132 AD after the destruction in 70 AD, long continuous wars until the Bar Barqaba revolt. Now, beloved saints, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because when we understand this, context, then we can see Daniel as a type and a shadow, since in the mentality of the destruction of the temple, it is always prophetically paralleled and perceived as the end of the world. So therefore, we must be able to understand that Daniel in Babylon... Begins with a foreshadowing of what it will be like in the time of the end. The believer will be living in a place that's very dark, very similar to Babylon. Let's begin with the scripture, and then we will share with you not only the literal meaning but also the personal prophetic meaning of these texts. Let us begin. In the third year, Daniel one one, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. He did not destroy it yet. He besieged it. In other words, he took it captive as a captive city, a tributary. And at that point, Jerusalem lost her sovereignty. The king was taken captive, meaning the king of of Jerusalem, the king of of Judah is no longer king. Now he is going to be replaced with a puppet king that is also of the royal family that Nebuchadnezzar has assigned over Jerusalem. Why is this spiritually significant? It is spiritually significant because the first deportation before the city actually becomes completely uh, crumbled under uh, the the crushing by the Babylonians some 20 years later. We will see, beloved saints, that this is a type and a shadow of signs of the end. The signs of the end don't begin all of a sudden with a complete crushing. It happens little little. By little. And this is the problem of what happens to a culture that begun that that begins to become conditioned to calamity. We begin to think of calamity as the normal. We begin to think it's just a coincidence concerning coronavirus. We look at it and we say, Wow, what a coincidence. Oh, what a coincidence it is that. Millions of people all over the world have lost their lives, that airports were shut down, that hospitals uh, could no longer allow visitors to come in and see their loved ones to say goodbye, that all kinds of, that every form of sports and everything in the world literally came to a stop for the first time in world history. Yet, we can look at coronavirus and maybe not say, wow, what a coincidence, but when we begin to become conditioned by the calamities that happened in this world, we can begin to harden ourselves and we can begin to become hardened of heart and no longer sensitive and yielded to know that these are not coincidental times times upon us. These, my dear friends, are the beginning of the last days. And God expects us to be able to respond appropriately to what is happening in the earth and not to be like people in a stupor that have become so spiritually dull that we don't even understand what is happening. And so therefore, beloved saints, as we look at Daniel we see Daniel as a type in a shadow. First of all, we need to see the spiritual significance of Daniel in the first deportation, being deported to Babylon, and he is numbered among the king's seed. Very important prophetic significance. Why? Why is he a member of the royal family? And why is the scripture telling us that he was of the royal seed, the king's seed? It is very important to know because only the kings of Judah, after the split in the northern kingdom from the southern kingdom, only the kings of Judah had the prophets anoint them. I want you to understand, beginning with Jeroboam at the fourth king of Israel, for those who just very quickly will allow me, I will just tell you the first king, of course, of Israel was Saul. Second king was King David. Third king was Solomon. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, did not follow the wisdom of his father and chose rather to exchange the gold that Solomon had for brass going down to a lower level. And he did not, he did not seek the counsel from the wise man who served as, as Solomon's advisor, advisors in the early days of Solomon before he sinned against God. So therefore we see that Rehoboam chose rather the inexperienced advice and very sinful advice of his generation, unfortunately, but they were no way, shape or form equipped to advise the the throne. And as a result, Jeroboam was raised up and God um, allowed the 10 tribes of the north to be given to Jeroboam. However, in order for Jeroboam to secure his position, knowing that it was a threat, if people came up to the house of God on a yearly basis and worshiped in Jerusalem and came to Jerusalem and worshiped in the house of God and saw the temple and saw the, the throne of David. And it reminded them of the glory days of Solomon and David, that this would be a threat to his kingdom. So rather than trust God, he set up a an apostate, to apostate altars. And thus, from the time of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, every king in Israel apostatized. That means from the time of Jeroboam to the time of the end, when the Assyrians scattered the 10 tribes of the north to the ends of the earth, there was not one righteous king in Israel who did not apostatize. So this is extremely important for us to note. However, in the southern kingdom, all the kings, many of the kings walked with God. It was only till the end that the kings in the south began to apostatize as well. Now, we only know that one king after... After Jeroboam was actually anointed with oil, and that was Jehu. And the reason Jehu was anointed with oil was to bring down Jezebel, because you cannot bring down a Jezebel spirit without the anointing. You cannot bring down the ungodly agreement of Jezebel and Ahab without the power of God. So, this is why the only king in Israel's history after the split of the two kingdoms, after, after Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the Northern Kings, the only one that was anointed was with oil was Jehu. So therefore, when we see that Daniel was of the King's seed, we see a type and a shadow of a generation that has the anointing. We see a generation that is in a dark and crooked world like Babylon, and we are seeing that... The the spiritual significance of Daniel being of the king's seed, a prophetic parallel of the anointing on his life and a prophetic parallel of a generation who is going to be in the end times and going to make it very successfully in the end times as long as the anointing is on your life. Because you must understand the anointing is the power of God and it is the only response restraining power of God against the things to happen. And so therefore, in the biblical resume that is going to qualify Daniel for his greatness, we are going to see that in the initial beginning, Daniel is going to be placed in a position of compromise. He's going to be faced not only with a culture of compromise, but he is going to, under the penalty of death, refuse To compromise. And this is extremely important. We must understand from the very beginning, Daniel is a type and a shadow of the end time church. And if we have any questions as to how we should respond to questions or to situations or to a culture or to pressure that comes and is pressuring us or in some way, um, trying to persuade us, to accept anything outside of God's word as, as something that we can actually participate in or something we can agree with when it goes against what God's word is teaching. What is the appropriate response? Well, my dear friends read the book of Daniel. When you read the book of Daniel, you will see the appropriate response that God expects his children to respond to. This means Daniel, who immediately is placed in Babylon, he is taken into one of the most important high positions. He is taken into a school that is very chosen among the Chaldeans, a place where they would be given a portion of the king's meat every single day and trained to be wise men in Babylon to stand before the king and to be able to have one of the most important positions in the land. However, to Daniel, this was not the issue to Daniel. The moment he saw the the portion of the king's meat, the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter one, verse eight, that Daniel already purposed in his heart, not to defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, meaning dear saints of God. Daniel courageously went to the prince of the eunuchs and requested... How can a slave, how can a captive, how can someone who has absolutely no uh, no ability to to speak to the government or speak to anyone? They've been conquered by the Babylonians, have conquered the Jews in this situation. He has no right as a slave and as a captive to go up to um, the prince of the eunuchs and to request of him, please change my menu. But I want you to know that Daniel was willing to live on pulse and water for three entire years in order not to defile himself before God. But even more than that, initially, he had no no way of knowing that the prince of the eunuchs would allow him to be tested for 10 days and along with uh, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah in that position. He had no way of knowing that his life was actually going to be spared. And so Daniel being the spokesperson for all four of them, he went before the king uh, the king's uh, representative, rather, he went before the prince of the eunuchs and requested that he that the portion of the king's meat be taken away. And why, to Daniel, was this food that would have defiled him? This is extremely important that we understand because it was non-kosher food, and for a Jew to eat something non-kosher, especially sacrificed to idols in the Old Testament in biblical times, would have meant that he would have broken God's commandments. So. You see, people can say, Well, wow, it's just to spare his life. Wouldn't God allow him to break the commandment? Uh, This is the same way it was in the early church, beloved. In the early church, you could spare your life if you did not sacrifice and offer incense to the gods of Rome, and if you would just apostatize and just say Caesar is God and just say that Caesar is the God above all gods. You could live. But you see, most of the early church believers did not apostatize. They chose rather to die. And many times they could easily compromise friends and families and loved ones, urge them, just sign the document. Just say that Caesar is God. God will forgive you. It's okay. Sign the document so you can live. I want you to understand most of the believers did not sign the document. Most of the believers courageously went into arenas and fought with lions and died, courageous, a heroic death for the faith. And so you see, Daniel had no way of knowing that he wasn't going to be cut into pieces or knowing that he'd be put in a dungeon somewhere for the rest of his life in chains, but he would rather choose that then break the commandment of God. Now, if we want to know, well, what about me? What if I'm uh, kind of forced to um, do something that's against God's word or against my conscience? How do I handle it? Beloved, the Bible is giving us the, the way God expects us to handle situations of compromise. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to go out and jeopardize your job. This does not mean that you have to go out and start politicking in your company. But this does mean that you have the wisdom of Daniel. Daniel didn't politic to anybody, but Daniel refused to compromise. Daniel refused under the penalty of death to defile himself before God. And we see that as a result of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah refusing to compromise with the culture, refusing to, um, to compromise with defiling themselves and eating the portion of the king's meat. There was a huge reward given to them by God, not only by man, but by God. And the reward was, let's look at the scripture and let us see. The Bible says in Daniel chapter one, verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So now we are going to understand all four of them received a Ruach. They received attributes of prophecy, attributes of prophecy, including wisdom, knowledge, and skill. What is skill? This word skill in the Hebrew language is the word sekel. This is the type of perception David had every time he was going to be in a place where Saul was going to destroy him in his early days. The Bible tells us that David escaped out of the presence of Saul, not once or twice, but it was because of this sacral that he had. That God gave him. This uh, Sekel is actually, if you translate it and evaluate it in the Hebrew language, it is wisdom, but it's a different type of wisdom. It's different than Chokmah. Chokmah is the kind of wisdom that you get that's the high revelation wisdom that we all want and we all receive from the Holy Spirit as well. It is also an attribute of prophecy. But Sekel is behavioral wisdom. In other words, you're going to know how to answer every man. You're going to know how to behave and be able to do what God has called you to do without compromising and also without in a way having to look like some crazy fanatic. God is able to um, and if need be, if you have to do, look that way, because there may be some of us that won't won't be understood, but there are multitudes of us who will receive the wisdom not to compromise, but also to have the sacral. Sacral sacle is behavioral wisdom. Let me give you another example. Esther. Notice that Esther pres- uh, actually had this incredible gift of Because she was able to bring down Haman through behavioral wisdom. She was able to perceive Haman's steps, how he would respond to the the setup that God gave her in the spirit. She actually estimated beforehand his response on how he would bite the bait on everything that God showed her to set up. This is Sakel. Now, I want you to understand that Daniel had on understanding in all visions and dreams. So, beloved saints, we want to see these words, visions and dreams. Where have we heard these words before? Where have we heard visions and dreams before? We have heard these words in another place in scripture. And where is that? That, my dear friends, is on the day of Pentecost. If you remember, Peter stood up in the book of Acts, in Acts, Acts chapter 2, and he said, these men are not drunk with wine, as you suppose, because it is yet the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. For it shall come to pass, saith God, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall see visions, and your young men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and my handmaidens shall I pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, to be able to understand Daniel's prophecy, nowhere can you see in the book of Daniel, thus saith the Lord. Yet, Daniel is one of the most proficient prophets in the entire Bible. And this is because he prophesied and his prophecy operated in the area of visions, dreams, and interpretation of dreams. These are all attributes of prophecy. These also are attributes of the kinds of gifts and prophecy in the mode of prophecy will be operating in the end time church. You and I must understand. This is why the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, it shall come to pass, saith God, that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We must understand the last days definitely refers in a literal sense of scripture to the era of the Gentiles, which began in the upper room, but it also refers to end times. It refers to the particular type of attributes of prophecy that are going to be prevalent throughout the body of Christ in the end times. And that is visions. That is dreams. That is interpretation of dreams. That is also tongues, and interpretation of tongues, which we see also in the book of Daniel through the writing on the wall. He not only interpreted the writing on the wall, but he translated the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall, Tekel which was a Hebrew, it was a Hebrew words that were written on the wall and he translated them, but he also interpreted them. Something different than just translating he interpreted tongues. This was a type and a shadow, a foreshadowing of how tongues can be interpreted. God will give you the interpretation of what it means. Just like someone who gives forth a prophecy in utterance in tongues, then the interpretation of those tongues is a is actually for the edification, exhortation, and building up of the body of Christ. So we see Daniel as a type and shadow. Of those in the early church. And again, we see the continuation and the continuation and demonstration of how the church should respond in the end. We see this through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow the knee to the golden idol. But, beloved saints, we also see that Daniel, a prophet that was able to understand the spiritual realm, and a prophet who actually had the ability to open up the realm of the spirit. Every time we see after Daniel emerged from the lion's den, we see Daniel received a special blessing from God, a special anointing to open up heaven when he went into the den of lions to be faithful to his ministry, to pray for Jerusalem. I want you to see this. And this is a prophetic prefiguring of how the enemy is going to attack those who are in places and in positions in the spirit, those who are on the front lines, those who are leaders, those who are pastors, those who have been given roles of ministry, prayer ministries, intercessors. Daniel was faced again with uh, the pressure to compromise. Just don't pray for 30 days. Hey, you can just get through 30 days. Don't pray. You can spare your life. Why would you want to risk your life? Life and and, and uh, you know, be put into a den of lions. But you know something, beloved saints, Daniel shows us how to respond under pressure. Daniel shows us what to do when the enemy's trying to rob us of our ministry. Do we give it up? Do we just say, all right, Satan, go ahead, take my ministry. Okay, you can have my ministry of prayer. I'm under too much pressure. Or I, I think I'll throw the towel in and not be a pastor anymore. There's just too much persecution. Or someone who's novice beginning and seeing all the hardships to believe God for the work God has put upon your heart. And you thought that it would just come so easy. All you had to do was say, here I am Lord and expect, you know, overnight these swelling uh, revivals that God is going to put into our life. Beloved saints, it doesn't always always work like that. Sometimes you will be tested, but what is the response? What is the Bible teaching us? The Bible is teaching us to dare to be a Daniel. God wants us to be faithful to the ministry that he has called us to. Daniel was called to be the intercessor for the desolations of Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that when he knew the decree was signed in Daniel chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, He went into his house and his windows being opened. Please put quotes around that. His windows being opened. The Bible tells us toward Jerusalem, prayed and knelt down and gave thanks as he had aforetime. Beloved saints, I want you to understand. Daniel, of course, was put in the lion's den. God shut the mouth of the lion for Daniel. But from this point on, we are going to see a miraculous thing that happens in Daniel's life. Whenever Daniel goes into prayer, the windows of heaven are now opened. If you notice in Daniel chapter nine, when he begins fasting and praying for the desolations of Jerusalem, when he understood by the books through the word of God, that the prophet Jeremiah's prophecy should come to pass. The Bible says in Daniel chapter nine, verses 20 and 21, that while he was speaking in prayer and while he was speaking and confessing and in prayer, it says it twice, the angel Gabriel, was caused to fly swiftly by. This means heaven's windows were opened and Gabriel was dispatched. We'll see it again in Daniel chapter 10. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 10, he was mourning three full weeks. He was praying and he didn't need any, any, uh, pleasant thing. This is the three-week fast that is known as the fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth for these 21 days for the desolations of Jerusalem. And when Messiah comes, the desolation shall become restoration. So we understand, dear people of God, that as Daniel was fasting and praying during this time, again, the Bible says that heaven opened and an angel was dispatched from heaven. But this angel was delayed for 21 days in the heavens. But then at the end of Daniel's fast, another angel was dispersed from heaven to fight with the prince of Persia and to release the angel that was on its way to deliver the message to Daniel. Notice how windows of heaven are opened continuously after Daniel opened his own window and prayed toward heaven, toward Jerusalem in the face and in the midst of the possibility of losing his life for obedience to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you we ask you that the attributes of prophecy would also begin to operate in us. These are the significant signs of end times. Every believer is not only going to be able to interpret dreams, visions, to be able to have signs from heaven come to us, but Lord, we thank you that the same attributes of prophecy that operated in Daniel will also operate in the church, Lord, through baptism in the Holy Ghost. Lord, we ask you that you would give your people understanding of similitudes and signs and different visions that they have throughout the day. Father God, we ask that you would speak blatantly to your people and also lead them by the spirit, help them know the witness within that Lord God, you are leading them into a prophetic Time, Father God, that the church will not be able to survive without receiving instructions from the Holy Spirit in these days that we're living in. We give you praise and we give you glory for Jesus sake. And everyone said, amen and amen. Beloved saints, I invite you to go to our website at mydayofdestiny.com, you can download uh, and revisit this podcast, but also all the other podcasts. I invite you. And today, as we close, I want to speak. These 21 days of Messianic miracles are actually upon us. They began on June 26th, and I want you to know that this is a time, uh, the 17th day of the month of Tammuz on God's spiritual calendar, which is the time when and both walls were broken into by first the Babylonians, second by the Romans, but God gives a promise. And he says, during the time of Messiah, these walls that were broken down don't mean destruction. These walls that were broken down now represent in the life of the believer, not break down, break out. God wants to break you out on the right hand and on the left. Here is a prophetic promise that God is giving someone who is listening today. Found in Isaiah chapter 53, verse three, you're going to Break out on the right and break out on the left. God is saying it's a time not of breakdown but break out. God is telling you that the enemy is trying to tell you you're ready to break down, that the walls are breaking down in your dream and in your destiny. But God is speaking to you that through these 21 days of messianic miracles, because Messiah has come, your destiny is not breaking down; it's breaking out. God is breaking the walls out that have held you and hindered you. You are. Coming Coming into the possession of promises as God has spoken to you and promised you. And also there is another word that God has. God has a word for someone who is almost like spiritual Jerusalem like Jerusalem the ancient Jerusalem that was shamed before the other nations Jerusalem when she was burnt to the ground was shamed greatly before the nations and became a laughingstock and a gaze before the nations but God said in the time that the desolation would be turned to restoration God gave the city of Jerusalem a promise again through the prophet Isaiah and God is giving you because you are also spiritual Jerusalem. You are receiving the promises that God gave to ancient Jerusalem. During these 21 days of messianic miracles, God wants you to know that he is giving you double for your shame. And just as God said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse one, speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Tell her that her warfare is accomplished. God is saying your warfare is already accomplished. Don't worry about the battle that you're in. The warfare is accomplished and you are going to receive of the hand of the Lord double, double for everything that has been done against you. So stand on the word of God and know his word. Amen and amen. And beloved saints, today I want to invite you to sow your seed into this ministry. You can sow your seed into this ministry by going to mydayofdestiny.com and push the donate button. You can sow beloved saints into feeding orphans around the world, being part of our daily feeding programs in uh, Palawan, Coron, in Binanonang, Philippines, in uh, Uganda, in in uh, different parts of Asia, in Pakistan, in India, and so many parts of the world. And you can do that by going to our website at breathofthespirit.org. That's breathofthespirit.org or mydeaddestiny.com. Or you can also uh, text to give through Hesed. That is Hesed, C H E S E D and text it to 77977. That's Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, 277 Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and we'll see you very soon.